This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Table. Uh, today I would like to continue uh, talking about Piedmont. As you know, I've just been back from my trip to Italy and actually on my way back, I don't know if I mentioned it, I stopped in the UK as well, where three good friends of mine live, uh, Marta Marco and their little one uh, called Paolo, like me. And I had a fantastic time. I was so, so happy to be there. And I discovered that especially Marta has a lot to say. And <laughs> there's so many connections. She's connected and laughing right now. Uh, there's a lot of connections to the type of things that I talk about in the podcast. And a lot of connections uh, with Piedmont and uh, its cuisine. So I couldn't pass on the opportunity to uh, gather on the podcast and ask her a few questions. So... Marta, welcome. How are you? Hi, Paolo. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for the hospitality. And uh, it's nice to have you back. And now you are my guest for a bit. <laughs> Thank you. The podcasts are great. I always listen to them. So I'm happy to be part of it. Fantastic. Thanks so much. So you need to know that Marta is Italian, born and raised in Piedmont. Uh, where exactly are you from? I'm from Biella. Okay, Biella. And, you know, I just was in Turin, so that's one connection. Also, Marta owns a tour operator business uh, called Amore Mio Tours, and Piedmont is one of their destinations where, where to take people. Also, Marta lived in Vancouver uh, for eight years, uh, and now she lives in the UK, in Cambridge. So she had seen three very different realities in terms of culture and also uh, about food. Uh, so I couldn't pass on the opportunity to ask her about that as well. Um, so Marta, let's start with your, your business uh, as a tour operator. You're taking people to Piedmont. Um, how would you define or describe the region to somebody who has never been there? Uh, well, uh, the region has really a lot to offer. Is um, well, geographically, you can find the mountains, you can find uh, nice lakes, you can find beautiful hills uh, with vineyards and everything. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there are some really peculiar products typical of this region, like Janduja chocolate, for example, chocolate made with hazel nuts um, grown in Piedmont. Mm -hmm. There are also the world-renowned truffles with the International Truffle Fair in Alba. Of course. And that attracts a lot of attention every year. Um, there are some um, very famous wines, such as Barolo, for example, a world-renowned uh, wine typical of the region. And what we try and do with the More Mio Tours, um, my tour operator business, which I co-own with Alessia, is just to take people off the beaten tracks to visit these uh, less known regions and cities of Italy um, to try and get them to understand the culture a little bit better through um, the authentic traditions that still live to these days and mm -hmm. which are harder to find in bigger regions. Exactly. These smaller regions like Piedmont are a bit um, left on their own and they need to do their own promotion and everything and it's mm -hmm. hard for them to compete with bigger regions which have, like Lazio for example, which has Rome or Veneto which has Venice mm -hmm. and they're obviously more renowned than Turin. But, I mean, Turin was the first capital of Italy, so it has a lot to offer, even on the historical and architectural aspect, and um, it's absolutely worth visiting it. Absolutely, and uh, as you know, I was just there, and it was my first time in Turin, even though I'm Italian and I live close by, really. I grew up close by. Um, it's, it's very, very surprising, very, very unexpected. Uh, the architecture is fabulous. You, uh, you feel like you're in Paris sometimes, 
And Very uh, true. if you're more for the countryside, the region itself offers fantastic landscapes, of course. Um, sure. So you mentioned you have um, tours that take people to uh, Piedmont. Can you mention some particular ones that you have organized? Yes, we've got a couple that we organized through a tour operator based out of Turin um, and um, they are called the Dine on the Tram because the tram is very much used these days as a way of transportation in Turin, in the city, around the city. So you eat and on the tram? You actually do dine on the tram with nice. uh, a live saxophone player that um, amuses you while you eat this succulent meal. Around Turin. And around Turin. So Beautiful. you also get to see the city as you travel around, mm -hmm. which is something very peculiar. And also we've got something else called the Chocolate Under the Stars, where you go around royal palaces and residences within the city to taste uh, typical chocolate produced in the mm -hmm. territory. And um, something else is called um, uh, Northern Noble Wines, which actually takes you through the region of Piedmont and then off to another little region, which is Emilia-Romagna, less known also, mm -hmm. but um, the uh, common uh, denominator of these two is the wines. So you will get to taste typical wines from the different regions. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> so since we're, talking, since we're talking about food, um, how would you define the cuisine of Piedmont? I would say that, well, each region in Italy probably um, has got a very peculiar cuisine. I think because Piedmont is very close to France, we have been influenced by France quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we do like to eat meat with um, different sauces or mustards or uh, compost. Um, so we do mix sweet and savory. Mm -hmm. Which is not necessarily common, certainly not uh, in the Mediterranean cuisine, uh, where no. more, more likely you, you taste a few ingredients um, that play well together, but you generally can taste every ingredient in the dish. Very true, yeah. So, for example, the first dish that comes to mind, which I used to have uh, often growing up with my friends, it's like sort of a group meal, which is called the fondue bourguignon. Mm -hmm where you actually cook a skewer of raw meat in a pot of boiling oil or mm -hmm. broth if you want an healthier option and um, and then you eat this meat with different sauces and pickles and vegetables of different kinds nice. so again yeah, yeah. it comes from France definitely yeah and, it's a French uh, dish I had it a, once or twice I think I was uh, in the mountains and uh, I I, I remember, like, like you said, you pick a piece of meat. Back then I was eating meat, of course. And, <laughs> uh, and you, you kind of fry it. In my case, it was oil. And yeah. then you dip it in sauces and you eat it right away. And one thing that I noticed about, about that dish is that there's always a potato that they put on the bottom of the pot where the True. oil is boiling. And I think it's to stabilize the temperature because um, otherwise the, the water from the meat will actually end up on the bottom of the pot and... Uh, will lower the temperature. Uh, so you put this potato to absorb the water. And yeah. uh, I wonder if the potato is delicious in the end that you can eat it. <laughs> I don't know. We never actually tried it, but we did always remember to put it in because it was something that when we would tell our moms that we were going to have uh, fondue bourguignon, mm -hmm. they would be like, okay, don't forget the potato on the bottom of the pot. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Um, so, um, uh, are there other dishes that you can mention? I, I know, for instance, um, I've had once uh, panissa there, um, oh, yes. but I don't quite, I never made it myself. So, how does that dish work, really? Well, panissa, it's 
really typical from the area where I'm from, a little bit north of Turin, um, because there are lots of rice fields over there, in Vercelli specifically. And uh, this dish is made of rice with uh, beans, um, like uh, red beans, mm -hmm. and sausage. Um, it's uh, it's a very delicious um, meal. It's also very filling and quite heavy, mm -hmm. as you can imagine, uh, because yeah, because of the amount of protein in it. Uh, but also, it's um, it's really fun to to have it because it's usually made for carnivals, so during the carnival oh. season, and um, lots of these little places, little villages and towns would have all these people outside in the square, in the village square, just cooking panisse in these huge pots, and mm -hmm. then people from the village can just go with their own uh, pot from home and collect some Fantastic. of it to eat at home with their families That's and fun. it's something that has to cook for many many hours so the men of the village would be out like at six in the morning just stirring this huge pot of risotto with uh, with red beans and sausage interesting so it's a risotto uh, but it's quite different in the preparation because it, it actually has, it cooks for for longer and it's more yeah. like a, a, a soup um, a thick soup um, it's very thick. Yes, you mm -hmm. would. Um, yeah, you you can eat it with a fork. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah it, that's what I remember as well. But to me, it was served in a restaurant, and it wasn't the same experience. Mm -hmm. It must be fantastic to have that in a, <laughs> in that context. Uh, these are the type of things that I miss from Italy. Uh, there was. Ah, I know. Uh, uh, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, to get that. Uh, what about bagna cauda, which is something that I oh, I've heard. I was talking about it when. I, yeah, you just you're melting. Yeah. <laughs> but in my I was talking about this with uh, some of the friends I made um, there in, uh, in Turin and they told me that um, yeah it is obviously very common and is a quite peculiar dish as well what is your experience with bagna cauda oh, what is I it first I absolutely love it I love mm -hmm. it um, my mom made it last time I went there to visit her and I I just couldn't stop ranting and raving about it because it's a, it's a dish made of anchovies and mm -hmm. um, here where I am now in Cambridge but even in Vancouver it, it was like I couldn't find them I couldn't find the proper anchovies to make this dish so I haven't eaten it in a very long time mm -hmm. and um, it's made with anchovies, garlic, lots of garlic, oil and then um, again you would melt the anchovies as, and it would come out as a sauce Mm -hmm. in the end and you would pour it in these little pots where you've got a candle underneath them so that um, each individual pots will um, stay warm and will keep the bagna cauda boiling sort of and you would eat it with any kind of raw vegetables or someone eats it with um, mozzarella cut oh, in slices and stuff uh, but mostly it's vegetables so um, savoy cabbage peppers um, potatoes and dive um, and dive, yes, yeah. the fennel, uh, anything yeah. you really you you can think of. So you just dip it in and, and eat it. Fantastic! It's, it's a dipping sauce technically, but yeah. it, it's actually something that people have as a meal. Is that yes, or is it yeah. an appetizer? No, it's actually usually a meal because it's quite filling. After you have all these vegetables with it and stuff, it's it's really filling. And uh, th my friends were telling me about the <laughs> the social implications of eating. <laughs> <laughs> so much garlic. Um, the advice that was given to me is like, make sure everyone in the family has, has some. some. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, uh, it's going to yeah. be problematic. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Oh, well. The price you pay sometimes. <laughs> true. An effort we are willing to, to make, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Thanks for um, telling me more about these dishes because uh, I, I still 
today I haven't had Banya Kauta. So next time oh, I'm in Piedmont, uh-huh. I'll, uh, yeah, I know I'm missing out. Um, yes, I should, yes, I should, I should get on that. Um, okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about, changing topic a little bit, is, but not quite, is, um, okay, so you've been living in three different environments, very different between one another. Um, did you notice uh, fundamental differences in the way people live? Um, yes, for sure, there are fundamental differences, I think. Um, it's, um, it's, it's quite amazing, obviously, to get to see them and live them firsthand. Mm-hmm. I, th- there will always be things that I miss from Italy and that I cannot find anywhere else. Um, but at the same time, um, I've learned to appreciate and live with multiculturalism, especially in Vancouver, because out of the three places where I've lived, Vancouver mm-hmm. was absolutely the most multicultural one. Um, here in Cambridge, uh, there are people from everywhere in the world, but not quite as much as Vancouver. And food-wise, in Cambridge, is um, is much harder to find ethnic restaurants. There is one Japanese restaurant in the whole town, mm-hmm. whereas I remember in Vancouver having sushi every other day, and you could potentially go to a different sushi place every single day. Yeah, that's true. We do have Italian restaurants. Some are quite nice uh, because there are lots and lots of Italians in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we can find some Italian products, not everywhere, but they are quite um, uh, quite well distributed all okay. uh, all through towns. So yeah, it's yeah, easier to find them here rather right. than in Vancouver. Oh, of course, you're really close. Yeah, I see. Um, okay, so the multiculturality uh, obviously um, was more in Vancouver. Did you find something that instead these places have in common, like, uh, or that you were able to um, to find yourself within? Well, uh, personally, something I kept going back to in all these three places was the market. Mm -hmm. I used to go there to buy my food and produce and vegetables and stuff in Italy. Mm -hmm. And I found the Granville Island market in Vancouver. Right. Um, so as soon as we came to Cambridge, the first thing I did was look for a market, and there is one every well every day, in fact. But the um, the produce one is every weekend mm-hmm. in the market square of the city, and um, it's actually really nice, especially on Sunday because the farmers go there and sell their own products. Yeah. So it's actually great because you buy local, you buy fresh ingredients. And um, and it made me think about uh, the seasonality of vegetables again, oh, which is something that mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten in Vancouver. Because you, <laughs> you could just go anywhere and find uh, anything you could think of. Yeah, it's true. In Vancouver, I noticed that recently. You can basically take a recipe from the book and say, okay, what am I going to make tonight? Um, you look at the ingredients, you write them down, you go to the store, you buy them, you come home, you cook it. Instead, in Italy, and evidently also in Cambridge, that may not work just as well, because you won't be able to find certain things. So you're better off, go to the market first, see what's in season, what they happen to have available that day, and then you go home and you look up uh, recipes to cook, or you just improvise in the kitchen with the ingredients that you bought. Um, And uh, personally, I find that that's um, more inspiring, and that's the way that I personally prefer, even if I do have every uh, ingredient available, um, probably, where I live. Mm -hmm. I prefer to actually go to the market 
and uh, and then build a meal around what I see that I find exciting. So I think it's maybe my Italian way uh, that comes out. Um, actually, that works particularly well if you go to the market when you're hungry. <laughs> so you're yeah, more inclined to actually... Uh, Think really quickly, what can you do with this beautiful produce today? Sure. So, it also forces you to think about maybe different ways of using one same ingredient because if you know that that's in season and that's what you want right. to use, then you don't really want to end up eating the same thing over a period of a week or so. It's you can cool. use your creativity, your imagination and just use it different ways. That's very true. And I like this this constraint that you have, right? So this thing is in season. It's fabulous. Uh, obviously, I don't want to get sick of it. Uh, so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have a constraint, but within the constraint, creativity uh, comes into play. And I, I always like when you have a constrained environment where you can be creative. When the sky's the limit, I personally get a little bit Uh, you know, intimidated by so much creativity. So I like to have a constraint sometimes. So Marta, it was fantastic talking with you. Um, like I said, you have such a, an interesting experience. Thanks for sharing that uh, with us today. Um, and thanks again for having me over. Uh, oh, thank you, Paolo. It's been an honor to be on the podcast and it was such a pleasure to have you here. So come back anytime. <laughs> thank you. And by the way, you're welcome to come visit us, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, thanks. We will, hopefully soon. You have a lot of friends here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Talk later, Marta. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks, bye. Paolo. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.